It's the Breakout! everyone welcome back to the breakcast the official podcast of the popbreak.com it has been quite some time since we've spoken and especially since we've spoken about wrestling uh, my name is bill bodkin i am the editor-in-chief of the site and when i am talking wrestling i am as always joined by the prolific prince of pro wrestling <laughs> journalism uh, a man who has um thrived uh, journalist journalistically uh, while working from home uh, if you have never checked out his Substack, I will promote that at the end it is um, I think must read stuff uh, somehow has gotten even better as a writer which I did not think possible during this time um, I know he's the golden star his name is Marjani Rawls but it's it's been a long time so it's been great to have you back on the podcast. It's too long. Um, thank you for that introduction, man. I might have to have you do introductions for me forever. You're way too kind. I really I, appreciate it. Listen, uh, I'm glad to be back on. Glad listen, to be I'm here to put you over, man. <laughs> glad to talk about some wrestling because there's definitely a lot that's been going on. Yeah, there, it's been a lot. Um, first, I want to I want to put it out there in the general. A general question. Uh, you know, we've been home for five months. Um, how has wrestling been for you, watching wrestling in the uh, empty arena slash limited seating slash speak out slash we're kind of doing outdoor shows era that is pro wrestling right now? Uh, talk about what you've been watching and how how, is, how has it been emotionally to watch what's been going on? It was a loaded question, but you know, no <laughs> pandemic guys. We, we, we everything's a loaded question these days. You know, it's been at first it was really weird uh, watching WrestleMania. First of all, it was in two parts, and the fact that it was in in the PC with no fans that was oh. like it took adjustment to that. And I know that we're in like this new normal where like if I'm watching baseball, like they have like the MLB, uh, the show crowd show up randomly yeah. and oh, uh, like, dude, it's like, we just talked about this in another podcast to do it. It's like, here's a home run. And it's like, here's the MLB, the show crew uh, in the crowd. And you're like, well, I don't get what's happening. That was empty. A yeah. minute ago. <laughs> if you've been playing things like MVP baseball all of your life and stuff like that, you, you're ready and kind of trained for those like polygon type fans. Uh, with, and the same thing with like, uh, you know, the NBA, like they have like the LED panels. And I think that the WWE is going to do that for SummerSlam uh, coming up because they're going to the Amway Center. Yeah. Uh, it's It's been like the big moments like that happened. I, I know that like WWE has been trying to hold off on those as much as possible. I don't know if you can do that anymore. Uh, but like say – when Adam Cole lost and like Keith Lee won, I would have wanted that in front of a crowd. 
oh, the Drew kind McIntyre. of like crown Keith Lee or yeah, Drew McIntyre or like even Charlotte winning the NXT title or, you know, it's it's an adjustment period. And I know that there's um, we're adjusting to a lot in this space. Like AEW has been trying. Like at first they had like indie wrestlers in the crowd. They're trying to mimic crowd noise. I think this week they were welcoming them back fans in limited capacity yeah uh, i was watching a, a little bit of new data like all new spread J- out and they they supposedly have um because i was like what are you doing and there's video of they had staff patrolling with uh i believe sanitizer and uh, just checking every person regularly for masks to make sure they were up and no one was being an idiot yeah, the same thing with like New Japan. Like they've welcomed back thirty percent fans, oh, they which did? is actually really yeah. Oh, uh, oh you know what a, I was thinking? I was thinking New Japan, the USA stuff. Sorry, that's right. I don't remember you saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Japan, like they've actually created an app where you can hit it, and then it has uh, it mimics crowd noise, so like people don't have to yell and everything like that. But it's, yeah, it's it's adjustment period. It's a little weird still. Uh, SummerSlam and uh, maybe all out and things like that are going to be weird, but you know, you just kind of have to roll with the punches. I, uh, I agree. I, I mean, I thought the first empty arena SmackDown they did was one of the best SmackDowns they've ever done. Just the way they, they handled it. Um, I think WWE has had some, you know, they've, it's felt a little less for me. Like it's not as good. Like they're, approach to the arenas. I think AEW's done a very good job with it. Um except not this past dynamite, the week before where they it was an edited show. I'm sorry, it was a pre taped show. And they were they did not regulate the noise very well and it distracted from a lot of the matches. Um yeah. I've seen some of the stuff for G C W has done, um, that they you know, the and beyond in Atlantic City, that was very regulated and very with it, but then I see stuff like ICW No Holds Barred, where yeah, it's deathmatch stuff, and people are on top of each other, and the masks are hit or miss. It's all like, sometimes it's very calming to watch, and other times you're just like, oh my god, what are you doing? Like you want to escape reality, and then it just hits you in the face again in pro wrestling. So it's like you can never escape things. I I mean you know like. If they could do it safely, it gives me a little bit of encouragement. That I'm like, all right, cool. Like we can get fans back at some point. Uh, but it seems like with our overall response, we're just kind of kicking that can down the road, and it's just like, all right, man. Like in March, we were like, all right, SummerSlam. Maybe SummerSlam can happen. You know, maybe we or maybe WrestleMania can happen if we kick it down to August. And then that didn't happen. It was like, all right, it's happening at the PC. And then New Japan's New York show got canceled. And I'm like, oh, well, like, it's not looking good for August. And then... How I'm many like, times you know did AEW Newark get uh, rescheduled? They were... Yeah, it was pending for a while. And I'm like, ah, oh, well, that's... <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen either. And now you're kind of looking towards maybe November, December. Maybe we can do something if we mitigate things. <sighs> It's looking more like, but to me, it's looking like 2021. Yeah, and 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 that kind of is going to segue us into our our, our, seg, our first segment, which I can't believe I actually pulled this off. 
segueing something properly, uh, is um, AEW announced uh, their first ever releases. Uh, and that is from what we've seen as Jimmy Havoc. It is Sadie Gibbs, B. Priestley, and it's still not clear about T Hawk and Lindemann of the Stronghearts. Some people are saying they were released, some people are saying they're just not being brought back because they were on a freelance basis. So the only one of those the Stronghearts faction that was signed was Shima. So those two guys, not 100% sure, but Gibbs, Havoc, and Priestley are all released from AEW. Um, were you surprised at all by these cuts, uh, given the fact that you know we saw the cuts from WWE very early on? I have a lot of opinions on that. I'm sure you do, too. Um, but all of a sudden, we see these cuts from AEW. Were you surprised by this? Well, I remember in a interview that Tony... Tony Khan said that he would eventually have to do them. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a surprise that they were doing them. B. Priestley, like, she's overseas. She can't get over here. I totally understand that cut. Same, I think same thing with Sadie Gibbs, yeah, too. Yeah, she's in the UK. Uh, she's in the UK. Like, I'm sure when Pathways to come back over open up that they'll both be back uh, at some point. You know, B, she had that whole, like, she had... That brief feud with Britt Baker, that was kind of like a hot feud for a while. Then it kind of died down. Sadie Gibbs, she was in a couple matches, but it wasn't, you know, she wasn't like infused into anything. But I think she has some upside. She can train in the UK. I think they're starting things back up in the UK shortly. So like she can like hone her craft a little bit there, then come back over. Yeah. Jimmy Havoc, I definitely was not surprised uh, based on the speaking out allegations and then like, I guess his problems with substance abuse. He has more, uh, issues than wrestling right now. And he needs to go get help and to, you know, to get sober and to have like, uh, healthy lifestyle that way. So yeah, that didn't surprise me at all. I always thought Jimmy Havoc was going to be the first guy cut from AEW. I, 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 and I've watched British wrestling for, uh, you know, I was a fan of it for a while. Uh, I've seen Jimmy wrestle live when he was in progress did their U.S. tour. But when he got signed to AEW, I was like, this guy doesn't fit. You know, and I'm like, he will get cut for some reason. I thought they were going to cut him back in November when he got into that fight with Excalibur. Um, but, no, I if you've ever listened to an interview with Jimmy Havoc, the mental health issues ha are very prevalent the alcohol issues are very prevalent so hopefully he gets help but he also has done there is a lot of seriously disturbing allegations um put against him and you know i i think aew had you know when he asked for rehab because they give him health insurance under and if you're like a company in florida you have to like you can't fire someone if they ask for for rehab so i think he did it and then it was okay you're gone and I don't think – Jimmy Havoc will never be back in AEW in my opinion. And I'm, his, not, his, I'm not sure – Oops, go ahead. Is he going to be wrestling like ever, you think? I don't think so. I mean, okay, let me backtrack this. I mean, there are certain individuals who we never thought would wrestle again who are definitely making noise again. Um, so never say never in wrestling. I, there's probably a 50 – it's 50-50, I think. I mean, he could end up in jail for all we know. You know what I mean? But, like, I don't know. I don't know if he ever comes back. But he I don't think he'll be back in AEW. But his departure actually was a huge 
um, opportunity for the Butcher and the Blade. Because all the stuff that's been happening with them was supposed to be Havoc and Sabian. And I think much uh, a bigger improvement uh, happened with Butcher and Blade being in that feud as opposed to the terribly named uh, Super Bad, was it Super Bad Death Squad or whatever they were called? It yeah. Was, oh, Super Bad Squad. Yeah, that was, oof. That's get up there with the union with uh, bad tag team names. Um, well, I think I think that Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are better as a duo anyway. Yes. Like I understand that they were kind of like doing the thing with Jimmy Havoc and like they had that little few tag team feud and stuff. But like I, I just enjoy them too. Oh, they're, them, they're great. So. Uh, I also think that was they were going to do that because remember Fighter Fest was supposed to be in the UK. Yeah. So, Excuse me, build that up. But I, I mean, I love what they're doing. Like Andy Williams, uh, the butcher, and how he's improved from his first appearance in AEW to what he's doing now. I think he's that. There's money in that guy, 100. percent Absolutely. I also let me throw this theory out to you. Sadie Gibbs, B Priestley, NXT UK is going to be starting up again soon. You don't? Do you think that they're going to be making offers for one or the other to be coming? Uh, to be a part of their crew so that they don't really have to go home. Uh, I don't, I'm sorry. They don't have to leave home and uh, they get pretty big exposure by being part of WWE. Well, I think Bay said on Twitter that she, she had intentions to go back to Japan. So I think she's going back to stardom. Yeah, I would assume. Um, I think with Sadie Gibbs, I was kind of surprised that the WWE did not take a look on her even before AEW did. I thought that they were going to do that, but at the same time, I don't know. Like, I, maybe Sadie goes to stardom with with Bay. No, well, they they, they don't. Never mind. Yeah, they have they have history. Well, they'll probably kill each other. But yes, um, it it's a possibility. You know what I mean? Like NXT UK has lost like Killer Kelly and like some other wrestlers as well. Oh, she uh, Jazzy Gabbert. That, that was a huge. I thought. Killer Kelly, that was such a uh, wasted opportunity. I think she's uh, got massive upside. Unfortunately, I think injured right now. Yeah, uh, her her arm, I think. Yeah, she, she injured. Uh, yeah, I think it's a big possibility once they start up. Like, I think Sadie Gibbs would be good. Uh, basically, kind of like getting more matches in her belt. She's definitely athletic. She has an upside. So, I think actually, kind of would could be you know a possible place for her. I wonder how this the international talent, which I think has been a detriment in some respects to AEW, especially the women's division, which we'll be talking about soon. Um, do you see more international releases coming the way of AEW? Remember, you still have Shanna, uh, who's international. You have Riho, uh, Yuka Sakazaki, Emi Sakura, I think is signed to that. You see, um, do you see that happening? Because, I mean, Tony Khan said they've lost a lot of money due to lo- those no live shows, a, a million dollars just off the Newark show alone that never happened. Uh, do you see them making some more cuts e- or even some domestic cuts too? This is a segue into kind of us talking about the women's division, but I think yep. that especially for that division, you do not want to cut as much as you would think because uh, I know that they have a lot of wrestlers for the women's tag team tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many are those are actually, you know, contractually obligated to AEW. I know one of them isn't, and that's Arian Andrew, who has said she does has not had any offers from AEW. But you have Britt Baker Hurt, 
you have Chris Statlander out for the year because that's an ACL injury. Unless she, she just had the surgery about a week or so ago. So, like, you have that. I don't think so. I think that you have to be very careful who you're going to cut in that division because your division's already thin already. Mm-hmm. Like, Shauna, a lot of people really liked. I did. I, I would definitely keep her. Uh, Riho, she's wrestling in stardom right now. So I don't know if she... I would definitely keep her on part-time because that's her first champion. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, that would be like, well, you know, she was our first champion. She had a lot of title defenses in her belt, but we're parting ways for her. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't either. So, like, I would she's like Kenny Omega's friend. So I can't see them. I think she would be the last. That would be an extreme cut if they did it. Um, but let's talk about that women's division, man. It's It's been one of the biggest knocks on AEW f- from the jump. Um, well, you mentioned it before, the tag team uh, tournament. What's your opinion on this women's tag team tournament, which obviously took a, a huge uh, nod or homage from uh, the WCW Lethal Lottery um, concept? Well, I was reading... I was reading a uh, interview that Brandy had about it because she really pushed for it, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, which is good on her. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And she said that she wanted it on YouTube so it could be its own thing, mm-hmm. where like uh, women's wrestling champ. Sorry about that. Um, where women's wrestling champs or. or fans can actually go and like watch it and like enjoy it there that's all well and fine i get it my problem is that i believe the women's tag team cup tournament the next episode the one with dasha the one with big swole and little swole that happened on monday that came on monday yeah i didn't even realize it was on i was like searching through my youtube uh App, and I was like, oh, wow, like there's an there's a new episode of the women's tag team cup. And to think that like they had Rachel Ellerling, which like people who watched it was like, oh, wow, like they should bring her in and have like a little feud with like a few a Haas feud or like, you know, with or strength feud with like Nyla Rose and things like that. Like Rachel Ellerling's a good wrestler. So I don't okay. think that. So I'm like Rachel Ellerling and Dasha. um having them as a tag team, that was something that I would want to feature on Dynamite. You know what I mean? Like, AEW Heels is cool in its totality, but it's the, one, it's the price point. It's $50 a year. Mm -hmm. Two, it's coming at the expense of uh, women's wrestler fans who just say, we just want representation on the main show. That's all we want to do. We just want more time. And even... You know, um, on this show, uh, Hikaru Shida had a match. It was quick. And then she says, like, I'm still waiting for my challenge. If All Out doesn't have, it doesn't deliver with a big challenge for her, like, it's like you're having a fighting champion, but she's she doesn't have anything to fight for. And also your hottest women's feud is involving somebody who is both in the women's tag team cup and Big Swole, and somebody who's injured with Britt Baker. So, like, I think there's a lot of room and improvement because they have a lot of talent there. That's the thing that I'm not getting. I'm like, 
Yeah, you guys, you guys have pillars that you can build upon, and if Impact can do it because they have a lot of talent, believe it or not, like they do. So it's ridiculous how much. The, I don't know if you watched. Um, oh, was it Bound for Glory, the big pay per view, or Slammiversary? Slammiversary, the one. That, did yeah? I, I mean, Deanna Perazzo and Jordan Grace. That was the match of the night, and uh, to me, a match of the year contender. Yeah, like they if they could feature that and make that kind of uh, important. Then AEW can do the same thing that they do with Cody and the TNT title, that they do with the tag team division. It all, it can all like stand on its own two, like its own two feet. You want to build pillars of your show. And with what NXT does on the other side, they have like, sometimes they have three women's matches intertwined with uh, a promo showing a women's uh, feud. In one in two hours, I think they can do that too. I, I'll give you my. Uh, I don't know if you read my review or not, but I have like this theory that the, um, the AEW women's division is basically the New York Knicks, um, <laughs> because it's like they never come out and say we're rebuilding. AEW fans are very forgiving of AEW. Like we got through the Nightmare Collective, guys. We 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 came out of that. Um, if they came out and said, hey, we're rebuilding and the reason we're doing Mondays is because we have a lot of new talent. We're trying them out. We want to see how they're working. And we're going to build them there. Because I like the the, the that tournament uh, show because it's like you have you have Veda on commentary, Tony Schiavone, who is great. Uh, Shaw Guerrero doing the introductions. You have like the specialized graphics, so, you know. Like, they've put time and effort into this. This isn't slapped together, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, if you're using that as a, we're using this as a way to, you know, basically field test, like, Rachel Ellering and Tainara and uh, Nicole Savoy, Little Swole, and see what the reaction is, I think people would get that. And be like, okay, we get it. Because I think, you know, you saw Diamante and Sheeta... They had their title match, and it didn't go great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't. It, it should have been better. It was, it was choppy. Like there was definitely miscommunication there. So I think like maybe they got gun shy there, which I don't think they should have. But I also think they booked it wrong too. Like Sheeta should not have won it all out. It should have been. I'm uh, sorry, double or nothing. Nyla should have won. And then you build the road. The the story is Sheeta's building back up to be the number one contender. Then they have that like street fight. It all out, you move from there. I think that works a lot better because now you could t- just have Nyla dominating people, keep winning. Sheeta's got to be on the comeback, and then you have Swollen Britt Baker. So now you're telling three stories. But instead, you just have Sheeta one, and it's like, okay, well, where do we go from here? Um, and I also think that the women's division was built wrong from the jump. They went into you know, when they announced, you know, you had Cody and Jericho and Mox and Kenny in the men's division. You had the Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, SCU and the tag division. You started, AEW started the women's division with three relative unknowns. And I think where my next comparison comes in, they were hoping, they were shooting for Tessa in, in this summer. That's what they were shooting for. And then we all know how that played out. And I think that it, like they, it's just, and then Kylie leaves, 
and they've always played from a hole. They've always like played from a deficit with that division. I think they were finally getting it, and then the pandemic hit. Every time they take a step forward, they take two steps back. Like you said, man, there are so many women that are super talented on the independents right now. Heather Monroe, who took on Sheeta this week, is great. She's done a lot of stuff in California. She did a lot of stuff in bar wrestling run by a certain person we won't name. She was awesome there. That's someone you should be signing. She's got great personality. She's got great in-ring uh, capabilities. Look at any of the women out there on the indies right now. Solo Darling, Willow Nightingale, Faye Jackson, who you had in the crowd for like three weeks. You know what I mean? Like there are women out there you could sign and they would be an instant hit. Why aren't you making those moves? Now, maybe some of these cuts that they've made roster-wise um, frees up money and, and it happens. But I don't know. AEW can make that decision. They just have to be honest with everybody about it, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, like, going back to your point, like, I'm a huge fan of Hikaru Shida. She has uh, really she's, worked her ass off and became, made herself a star. Uh, I also think that, like, going back to your Nyla Rose point, in order for them to, like, I feel like they've been really cutting her at the knees with booking because, yeah. like, you, you would think that, like, Riho beat her and then she beat Riho, but she hasn't had the long title reign that she should have had, and especially to establish her as like the big dominant force in that division. That's who Nyla Rose is. And she should be Vader. Also athletic. I yeah, I think that that's a good comparison. I think that she should be a Vader type. Uh you know, like it's really establishing pillars of your division. I think they're doing that with Brit. Uh, like having her be like, I guess their top heel. That was the right move, by the way, moving her to heel because when she was a face, it felt felt like her character was kind of spinning the wheels a little bit. I, I enjoy what she's doing now. Uh, speaking to, you know, a lot of people, a lot of talent on the Indies. Yeah, there is, and there's a lot of talent that they've brought in. Uh, I hope that they stick around. Like when they brought Chris Statlander in, I'm like, okay, you got to sign her. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, you know, seeing YouTube comments and comments about the, you know, the tag tournament, a lot of people are high on Tainara. Yeah. I think I, you uh, have to sign her there. Yeah. I to. think she, that that's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I think that, you know, like she's somebody who is apparently watching old, like Shibata matches and things like that. And, um, somebody who really wants to grow, who has charisma, who, I mean, depending on who you ask, like didn't really get her fair shake in. NXT, but there's so much talent over there. I don't know. You know, some people do get lost in the weeds, and she can make an impression in AEW. Like, there's a lot There's a lot of room for what AEW does, and there's a different... How they kind of cater to their fan base, and how they do stuff, like I'll say, being the elite, and their YouTube series, and kind of what they do with social media. There are a lot more I would say, like, engaging viewer to viewer. Where, like, in WWE, it's more, like, I would say theatrical. There's more, you know, higher values. But, like, it looks, with AEW, it looks, you know, more, if I'm just, like, the the typical, like, if I'm a diehard wrestling fan, like, that's for me. Where, like, uh, WWE seems like it gets kind of, like, a, a little bit of everybody. So, like, there's a... A lot to do. I just wish that they stick to one thing. They get a, a battle plan. They build these wrestlers up 
and then have because there's there's a thirst there. There's a lot of women's wrestler wrestling fans who want to like jump into AEW. They just got to find like an ebb and flow to it. I 100% agree. And and you have someone like uh, I'm very I'm very bullish on this talent, Abaddon. I and she's she's crazy unique, but you also don't want to overexpose her. But she's an ace in the hole for the people. Really, she got signed based on fan response. People loved her, and and so she got signed. And I mean, I think AEW can write the ship. They like we said, they just need to do it, and they need to take the time and invest in that division because once it clicks, given like you said, given everything they they do well with every other division, it will work. But you mentioned something about um, you know people getting lost in the shuffle with NXT. AEW has signed a ton of people recently. Do, uh, we're talking about Colt Cabana, uh, Brody Lee, Brian Cage, Lance Archer, Ricky Starks, Eddie Kingston, Abaddon, uh, I just Anna J among uh, Matt Hardy. Do you think AEW is kind of overloaded with talent right now? They certainly have a lot of it. And a lot of people are fighting for screen time and AEW Dynamite. I think they're building Dark back up to be like the companion show to it. Because you see Dark, like there's 9 to 12 matches onto it right now. Uh, The Scorpio Sky storyline where he says like, listen, I've been killing it on Dark, but I want to go back on the main show and make a name for myself before he uh, challenged Cody. Mm -hmm. That was done on Dark. You know what I mean? Like there are things that are done on Dark that translate to dynamite i've you know like it's eddie kingston uh i feel you had to because the fan reaction was so strong but and i like that aw listens to the fans where like all right well you got to get him you got to get ricky starks ricky starks is just a a phenomenal young guy i think i'm shocked shocked he was not signed by wwe and he's in a video with the undertaker like Lee Undertaker's talking to him and Aaron Solo, I, I I'm stunned he was not signed when when he left the NWA. So I mean, what are they gonna do? Uh, I feel oh, yeah, I know, I know, but I mean, he seemed he like he seemed like tailor made for WWE is what I'm saying. Yeah, I you know, it's cool to listen to fans and it's cool to like sign, but once you sign them. You have to find storylines for them. You have to find places where they fit. There are like there was a, a a Reddit post where they said that they brought in over sixty wrestlers uh, during the pandemic and signed about ten or eleven of them. That's really cool. At the same time, like Dynamite's only two hours. Like you know, what I mean, like I, I think they have a good collection of people that watch Dark. But at the same time, you got to find signings like, you know, Lance Archer or uh, Russell's like SCU or Ray Phoenix, who was on AEW Dark this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to find places to put them because, you know, they're they matter. They're big wrestlers. You you know, but there's only so much time that you could feature everybody. And I think that AEW starting to run into that problem. Well, they were. Remember, we still have that rumored uh, other show. 
that they've been talking about for a while, but AEW also lost one of their biggest supporters in Warner Media due to that shakeup recently, and Kevin Riley, who was in, in integral in getting them on TNT. Remember, the AEW was supposed to get a third hour where it was, um, I, it wasn't going to be like Dynamite was going to be three hours, but it was going to be another hour, whether it was going to be on HBO Max or it was going to be on TBS or somewhere else on TNT. So I wonder if that's like, because remember a lot of those signings uh, outside of Starks and Kingston and, um, you know, people like Alan Angels and, and Preston Vance and stuff like that, the, the you know, the Dark Order mask guys, um, those all happened pre-COVID. Um, so I wonder if they were like, okay, we have this other show and that's kind of what happened there. I wonder if that was a reason too. I, I mean, that Warner shakeup is, is pretty crazy. It's trickling down to everything. Uh, HBO. Uh, I feel really bad for people who lost jobs there. Like it, that's really tough. A heart goes out to them. It's just, yeah. I don't I, like when that happened and I saw that, you know, their main supporter got let go. I'm, it was like shades of WCW all over again. Yeah. Where like Ted Turner leaves and then like Eric Bischoff is trying to buy WCW to get them on another channel because, you know, all of a sudden like the higher ups who bought it, it wasn't really into wrestling. I'm not sure that's the case there because I think Cody's reassured that like they're, they're good. And they're still pulling in good ratings yeah, on Wednesday they, nights. Yeah, because and, and and I mean the rate everyone makes big deal of the ratings, but for I think right now it's very important for AEW with those ratings to stay on the air because they're pulling that demographic um, that would keep them, you know, solvent. You know, solvent in respects of you know they want to be on the air and they want to be kept around. And you know, if you're TNT and you're looking at you know, what AEW does outside of basketball. It does good numbers for them. They do like a million plus a week when you count in DVR, and you get 52 weeks of programming a year. I mean, and, you know, if you compare it to what WWE is getting paid for USA and SmackDown, and AEW just beat them in a demo, Raw in a demo recently, and you're paying exponentially less, I mean, you have to look at it as a good thing, but again, it's, it's tenuous times. Yeah, I mean... You, you, okay, so look at the fall landscape. Like, you're not going to have a lot of TV come back, especially network TV, because of COVID. Not people have not been able to shoot things. So, like, a lot of networks have been scrambling to like fill their programming. Um, sports, maybe. <laughs> Grant, maybe the NFL comes back. That's still, that's still like waiting to be seen basketball will run into october but at the same time aw has to stay because it pulls that demographic for you yeah so i don't think that you can let them there's no way no, you know what i mean I, like, I don't because think so either fall is just it's because at that point it's just like all right we're all going to be watching netflix hulu disney plus things but they're going to be the only things that have something new you know what i mean so yeah. like i don't know uh, yeah, I I think AEW is going to be good. Like they're doing like consistently like eight hundred thousand uh, every week. They're winning that that coveted uh, demo every week as well. I th- I think they'll be good for the foreseeable future. Talent though, like whether that third hour happens or not, if that third hour doesn't happen, you got to utilize Dark more 
to further yes. some things. You have to make dark like what Thunder was, I guess, originally intended for with WCW. Like, yeah. you know, and, and you can, you got to do storylines, you got to do more stuff. And man, some of the cast are getting on dark, like Brian Pillman, Will Hobbs, like some of those guys are really talented and they're definitely opening a lot of eyes. I mean, Pillman's signed to MLW. I know that, but like, there's a lot of real talented people who show up on that show. Lee Johnson. Uh, Lee Johnson yeah, is, uh, uh, he, I, I think he's signed. I think Lee Johnson is signed because they keep, um, they keep using him in the MJF sketches, like the, um, God, come on, the uh, the speeches, and he keeps getting uh, you know pushed around by MJF. So I think he's signed, and he's going to have a big like babyface moment with MJF. I could be completely wrong, but I would just like to see that because I think he's super talented. Um, yeah. Speaking of TNT, one of the biggest things going on right now is. Cody, and it's probably one of the more controversial things, like not really controversial, but like the most hotly debated uh, topics with AEW besides the women's division is Cody's TNT title run. Um, Some people say that every week Cody goes out there and buries people, while other people think it's the ultimate opportunity. Um, He's faced a myriad of people, whether in AEW or unsigned talent, like at the time, Eddie Kingston or Warhorse. Uh, he'll be heading to, into the Saturday uh, show against Mr. Brody Lee. Uh, what do you think about the TNT title run? I'm okay, so I'm torn kind of down the middle uh, because I think it was really good to see Cody against all these different styles. Like, fans got involved in it. That's how the Warhorse thing happened. <laughs> I love like, Warhorse. War. Dude, first time I ever saw Warhorse, legit. Jersey All-Pro Wrestling, five, six years ago, he got thrown from the top of the Rawway Rec Center to the floor. The Necro Butcher stiffed him with uh, chair shots that he probably at least got three concussions out of. And I was very happy to see him on TNT. I'm like, you've come a long way, man. <laughs> and I love the gimmick. I can't I, – I, I love I love Warhorse. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, like – it got to a point where it was kind of cool because it was like, who's Cody going to fight this week? You know what I mean? Like, at first it was showing kind of the young, like, AEW talent, like Jungle Boy and Mark Quinn. He gave them that rub. Like, it was cool. Then it was like, oh, wow, like Ricky Starks. Oh, wow, Eddie Kingston. Like, people who hadn't been able to see Eddie Kingston and his promos and the style that he wrestles. Like, and it got guys signed. But then, like, as we went on, um, it's like, all right, where's the end game for Cody in this storyline? I know that they're teasing Arn Anderson kind of getting irritated with him a little bit. He's getting a little bit heelish. Where is he going to drop the title here? And it could happen Saturday because I, th- I think Brody Lee definitely needs that title. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm just like, Brody Lee, it, it, it's either going to be like, Something's going to happen, and there's a rematch at All Out, but Brody Lee definitely needs the belt. Uh, more than Cody at this point, I 100% agree with that. Yes, I think, I mean, especially because Cody Cody's like 17-1 and one in singles. Yeah. I, you know, if he lost the title and then, like, turned heel because he lost the title, that would be a good character change for him. But I think 
with the TNT title, it was good. It was a good showcase for other people. But at this point, let's get Cody in a substantial storyline and let's have him drop it to the next person and then get that title some more prestige. I thought I thought I had it all planned out, to be honest with you. I thought Cody was going to drop it. I thought he was going to drop it to Darby at All uh, Out, which I would actually like, but not going to happen now. And he was eventually going to align with FTR and Wardlow, and they were going to be like a Four Horsemen-esque uh, group with uh, Tully or Arn managing them. To be honest, that could still happen. Oh, I, I, I really want it to happen. And by the way, FTR pile-driving Ricky Morton after Dax like put over how much he loves being a dad. Classic FTR. I love the shit out of that. Yeah. They're, they're, they're def- they fit Okay, they fit there because they're more of an old school team anyway. Oh, so yeah. like them doing that angle with like Arn and Tully and you know Rock and Roll Express, like that was right up their alley. I'm like, wow, they don't they don't stick out like a sore thumb. This is exactly where they belong. Yeah. I I, I look at for me, I look at Cody's TNT title run as it definitely helps some people. And I definitely think there's a coolness factor. And I would love the TNT title to be an open challenge title. Because seeing Brody Lee going, okay, so let's get Brody Lee against some of the young baby faces of um, AEW. Let's, okay, let's have him with Joey Janela. Let's have him with Brian Pillman. Let's have him, let's go the independents. Let's have Matt Tremont. I don't know if you know Matt Tremont, but a deathmatch wrestler Matt Tremont come in or, you know, the millions of other guys that they, they've mentioned, you know, on Twitter or even Cody's mentioned in promos. Um, I would love to see that because I think Brody's, you know, is such a great – I've always been a big fan of his. And I think he's a great wrestler and the Dark Order is, is a hot mess and I think that's a nice way of putting it. Um, <laughs> but even though the angle is a hot mess – Everyone in the Dark Order knows how to go. And that's very evident if you watch this week of Dynamite with the Bucks and uh, Stu and Uno. Like, those guys work really well together. And so, yeah. And and so, and so I just found out uh, Jericho announced it on his uh, live show. I was watching it uh, today that he uh, that Silver and Reynolds just got their full-time contracts. They were on a oh, per-appearance nice. basis because they got over on BTE. Because I got to tell you... <laughs> The John Silver, he's just a boy of 29. It, it, it never gets old for me. Uh, but anyway, so he, Brody needs it, and I would love to see it. To me, I was really hoping Scorpio would take it because I think Scorpio Sky is a tremendous wrestler, crazy upside, star power, like ridiculous star power. He needs a singles title in AEW. He needs to be a marquee guy for them. But that's just me. But I've, I've enjoyed Cody's run. And I thought his thing with Kingston was great. Uh, Warhorse was a little bit of a letdown. And I don't know what they're going to do with Matt Cardona because I don't know if it was coincidence or not. But, you know, they hit almost a million views when he was on the show. And then that precipitously dropped when he was not on the show the next week. Um, I would love to see what's going to happen with him because I think Cardona is going to be the guy who gets – who's the surfer sting and gets turned on by uh, – by Cody. Yeah, the, you know what? That would be a really good. I think that's a really good feud for them. 
Uh, but he's Cardona's first feud. He's only there for five dates, though, so they got to be careful. Okay. But hey, good work. I agree. I think it would be a great feud. Um, and one thing I saw, and I took this one point off. Um, actually, no, let me get to this next. Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy has been a feud for the better part of a few months on AEW. Uh, Orange picked up the the big W this week with, um, well, it was a very sloppy win, but he still won. My question to you is, what's the sustainability of Orange Cassidy as a top babyface in AEW? Man, even though that finish is sloppy, <laughs> um, people love Orange Cassidy. See, that's why those moments is why I miss having a full crowd. Yes, because that would have oh. that win right there. Oh my god, would have. I'm getting I'm getting right. chills thinking about that. That pop because that remember was, when he was on Dark and he came in to wrestle that one time he got that Road Warrior pop. When he tagged in to fight Pac. Yeah. I, I That's a man. Man, we really do need crowds back at one point. Uh, sustainability. I think for the underdog babyface that he is and if they could keep the cool factor because people love Orange Cassidy. I had somebody, like when I wrote about AEW, he rarely watches wrestling. And he's like, well, why don't they push Orange Cassidy more? And I'm like... Oh, wow. Like, Orange Cassidy is kind of like one of their transcendent guys that reaches beyond regular wrestler watches. So I think the sustainability is definitely there. I think that if you have, like, and I know we'll talk about this in a bit, if you have MJF beat Moxley, if you want to have. Don't tease me with a good time here. Don't tease if me you with want a good to have, time. I'm just saying, if you want to have your next big babyface champion, MJF Orange Cassidy. Oof. Wow. Oh, my God. I, I, I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps, man. Oh, I would love to see that. I, and I just think that's that's perfect. It, I, I really do. I'm like, it's right, it's right there. It, but, again, like to have that moment of Orange winning the title. If he won the title, you got to have a crowd. Yeah, you you have to. That's why I'm saying you have to hold this off. Oh, you got to put this until in your back next pocket. summer. Yeah, if if by next summer, if we have a live crowd at All Out three, Orange Cassidy beating MJF would be. I, I, I'm on. Like I don't know if we would we have seen a, uh, an explosion of a crowd like that in a long time. And uh, that's that's wild. I, I love it. I oof, so good. Should get you on the creative team. Um, <laughs> let's talk about MJF. He's him and Mox are destined to go at it at all out. Do you think it's time for them to pull the trigger? I'm putting the belt on MJF. Something I think we all knew from the jump was a, a, an inevitability. At some point. Absolutely. Absolutely, you have to do it. Listen, AEW's had their young guys in these positions like Jungle Boy, um, Darby Allen. They are in there with the big dogs, but they lose. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like been the theme with AEW. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you're hanging in there, you have your no D, de- you know, no contest, 
you get your respect hugs and things like that, but they haven't won the big one. MJF has not lost this to singles. MJF is a counter to John Moxley, both in demeanor, both in wrestling style. Uh, MJF wrestles a very 80s heelish style. John Moxley is a hard, basically a hardcore brawler. That's what he is. And he's the perfect ant- antithesis to Moxley. And Moxley had a, it was a great uh, experience when he won the belt from Jericho. That was great. Yeah. He's been a great champion given the circumstances of COVID. And if man, he lost it now, yeah. if he lost it now, it's not going to hurt him. He's no. John Mosley. He's he was one of the pillars of the company. Well, you know, their first big pay per view. He comes out. He stands on like the big poker uh, chips, poker chip, and does the whole pose and like it, it. It was great. Like he's already cemented himself, and he can have another run down the road or something like that. But like right now, it's time for you. To show, okay, we've shown you Mox. We've shown you Jericho. We've shown you Cody. We're going to show you the Young Bucks and FTR because we already know that that is, that's going to happen. Yeah, I know they want to, they probably want to, they want to save that for a live crowd, I'm sure, but they can't at this point. Yeah, they're slow burning it, which is cool. Oh, yeah. But in order to show, okay, AEW is in for our future guys, MJF has to win the title. He has to. And I think an important match for MJF was his match with Jungle Boy because we're so used to just like shenanigans in MJF matches. MJF is a really amazing wrestler. Like he is very good at what he does. He's not just a microphone guy. He can go. And I think like his title run, like you got to let that run for a year. Like he's got to be a dominant champ. And I think he could prove it. I think he's got the wrestling chops to do all that. And he'll be great at it. Um, but I agree. Pull the trigger. Um, because what you can do, especially for full gear, especially given the history of Moxley with violent matches at full gear, why not do a cage match? You know? Mm-hmm. Why not have Moxley run through some people, have them get a cage match? That would be great. Those guys, oh, come on. It'd be, it would be awesome. Um, I agree. I, MJF's great. Put the belt on him. Oof, an Orange Cassidy win over him. My God, that would be... Oof. Oh, God, I still, th- I, st- I still love that idea so much. I can't even believe it. So it's MJ- just a hypothetical. Yeah, oh, it's a hypothetical, but I just like seeing from what has happened. Okay, Orange Cassidy gets his big first big win against a former AEW champion. Yeah. And the fact that people love him as a babyface, and then you have like this potential heel... Um, champion down the road two of your like younger guys it's just it writes them it writes themselves i was listening to jericho's show today by the way chris jericho stopped doing concerts during a pandemic you've you've done so much good in AEW. stop being a stupid idiot um he said he's like there are guys on this roster that are underutilized. He's like that I have pitched to work with. Yeah. He's like, I have 15 guys I want to work with that are all underutilized talents in AEW. To me, I look at that. I'm like, that's great. Cause look what's happened with Jericho and orange Cassidy. If he can do half of what he's done with orange Cassidy to other people, 
that's huge business for AEW, especially for the future. I mean, Chris Jericho is not going to be around forever. John Moxley is not going to be around forever. Sonny Kiss, MJF, Jungle Boy, those are the people you got to build on. So, Ricky Starks, yeah, yeah people well, like Ricky that, yeah. Starks is going to be very big for them, I think. And uh, my final question on the AEW before we move into NXT is, all right, we're, we're heading up on a year of Dynamite. Do you enjoy watching Dynamite more or less since the debut back in October of 2019? It was really shaky towards the new year, and especially with that... Um, it was bad. <laughs> with that uh, Dark Order thing and then beating up the Elite. Uh, I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I will say this. Uh, in recent months, I do still have my like criticisms, like the 12-man tags and like things like that. All right, guys. Like, And especially with the women's division, we need to feature them more. Mm-hmm. That's my huge criticism with them. Yes. But they have, in a year, have really established their identity. They, you know what I mean? Like they have, they are definitely an alternative where they have carved out a consistent fan base. And I'm like, all right, well, like I'm seeing indie wrestlers and stuff that I wouldn't normally see on a bigger stage, um, you know, included with like Ken, the likes of Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, the Young Bucks, Cody, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say like in recent months, it is a little bit, it is more enjoyable than you know, I would say from January, they have really, they're really kind of, you can see that they're putting in really a lot of more effort in making their shows better. Now, let's just do it with the women's division. That's what I'm saying. To me, um, I agree that that end of year was real bad. Yeah, it was, it was terrible, to be honest with you. I feel like they have put together, especially AEW thrived off the live audience. And and some of those Georgia shows were a little rough because they didn't have a lot of talent to work with. But uh, I consistently, AEW is the, one of the one shows I've, I watch every single week. And it, it gives me joy and I love watching it. It, it. Not every week is perfect. Like I said, that women's division is an absolute must change. There is stuff every week I can say there that I did and didn't like, but I really love watching AEW, and I hope they continue to, they have to stay focused. That's their big thing. Keep the focus, stick to the plan, adapt where you need to, and you'll be fine. Because when AEW loses focus, that's when things get bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm hoping they stick to that. But I, I really love watching AEW. And it, it's been a market improvement. Like, I think you and I have talked about this before. It, it was like watching, three, you know, four different shows. It was like watching, you know, DDT, old school WCW, PWG, and WWE Lite at times. All within the span of two hours. Now there's definitely a cohesive message there at least. So they got to keep on brand. Let's move into NXT. I, uh, Marjani, I know this is you've covered NXT for us a ton, and we're heading into NXT Takeover Thirty, which I can't believe we're at thirty takeovers. But I guess if you have, you know, a couple a year, it makes sense. The August show, I mean, correct me if I if I'm just exaggerating, is one of their like is their watershed event. It's like when we first saw Takeover Brooklyn, where we had Bailey and Sasha. 
It's the it's their big show of the year, at least to me. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, like you've had some big things happen, like Adam Cole. Uh, Adam Cole. Uh, you had, I, I think, believe the Champa uh, betrayal of Johnny Gargano. Well, no, I think that happened in Chicago. That was that Chicago. May have, yeah. yeah, that was Chicago. Um, but you've had a lot a of big, Gargano classics at that one. The, the yeah, August show. Um, it's a big show for them. Uh, I think this one will be a big show as well. Even though, the, like you know, the players, I think. Well, you have to look at it differently. I, I, I felt Karrion like Frankie Cross Kazarian there Keith for a second. I was like, "Do you?" <laughs> but well, uh, because I look, I'm looking because we only have three ma- well, Do we only have three matches announced, and we're a week out, or four? We yeah. have four. We have four. Yeah, that's right. Because we have the ladder match, which uh, is going to be uh, Bronson Reed. It's going to be uh, Cameron Grimes. Uh, I'm going to be forgetting people. I, I apologize. Uh, Damian Priest in TBA replacing Dexter Loomis. So it's going to just be four yeah. people. Yeah, it's uh, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and then there's one more. You know, Cameron. And to it, be announced. Yeah. And then we have Io Shirai and Dakota Kai. And then we have Keith Lee and Karrion Cross, And then we have Adam Cole and Pat McAfee in a special attraction match. You might have Santos Escobar and Isaiah Swerve Scott, too. Oh, it, it, yes, we need that. I, I'm sorry. That needs to happen. You, I think that will be your fifth match. And then maybe you have like one in there where you get, like, I would say, Ray Ripley. And if you don't get this on an NXT show, maybe like a Ray Ripley and a Shotzi Blackheart versus a Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah. As an oh, as like a opening match, uh, maybe. But I would say okay. So like looking at this card, the most there are two intriguing matches to me that stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Io Shirai and Dakota Kai is one. Now oh, yeah. I love the story here because Dakota Kai has something to prove. Like the promo show. At, at this week's NXT, Dakota Kai, let's just say like the story of her NXT run was that she was, they thought that she was basically like the little run, you know, Shayna Baszler beat her a ton and beat her up. You remember like with the injury. Yes. And then what was that? The elbow. Know, Eosh, yeah. The elbow. Um, she got hurt, of course, with the ACL. And then, you know, she comes back. She turns on Tegan Knox and she shows like this whole new leaf. But to EO, she's like, you're just listen, you your run here is just I'm not afraid of you. So Dakota guy has something to prove. I don't think that she wins, but she has something to prove here. That's intriguing to me. I really like the story with that. And I guess we'll go into like Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. That I have if you're booking that, I do not envy your position. Uh, no. Because I don't know how you book that. Yeah. So, I, I don't so, know. So my question I put in our production notes was, how do you how do you have either man lose? Keith Lee has had the belt for less than a month. And I'm not sure how you feel about Keith Lee, but I absolutely adore Keith Lee. I've been watching him on the Indies. I think he is He's just money in the ring, you know, as a personality. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he is a star. At the same time, we've been building Karrion Cross, a guy I've seen in 
Lucha Underground, in AAA, in Impact. I've seen him in MLW in person. I've seen him on the Indies in person. Uh, got one of the smoothest handshakes in the business, I can tell you that. But, I mean, he has been built up so hot and so hard. How do you have either guy lose? And by the way, disqualification, that is not going to go over well. Like, how do you book this match? Because it's like, if either guy loses, it's a huge injustice to either guy. I think if Carrion loses, it's a bigger injustice to him because it's like, you built this guy up as this unstoppable, supernatural-esque monster who his manager could put fire into like a portfolio, um, which was both awesome and super cheesy at the same time, in my opinion. I loved it, and I also groaned at the same time. But how do you have him lose? Um, so, That's, yeah, your thoughts I, on this. I, I'm, I I'm flabbergasted. I do not envy the collective that is booking this match. Um, the thing that I would th- I'm trying to get a feel for is moves to the red or blue brand because the only way I see Keith Lee losing is him going to Raw or SmackDown the next night. You cannot have him stay and take an NXT, no. but at the same time, Keith Lee is so over and he's deserved so much to get this championship run. Can't have him. NXT is not known for having quick title reigns. No, you usually have it for a long period of time. I think the so quickest, that me, was the quickest. I mean, like they did some flip flops between, I want to say Joe and Nakamura, maybe or Rude and Nakamura, and I know Sami yeah, Zayn. Yeah, and Nakamura. Yeah, Rude and Nakamura flip flopped the title a few times, but man, it's like Keith Lee is like. I can't see him as a transitional champion, especially when you built that chase, what, six to eight months? Yeah, like, I know that they crowned him as, like, the first, like, double champion in NXT, and that was, like, kind of a thing. But at the same time, you have Karrion Cross. like, in this whole feud, Keith Lee is usually the cool, calm, collected guy until you piss him. Karrion Cross has been pushing his buttons, beating up guys in the locker room, daring him. Uh, with the fireball that happened on Wednesday, uh, adding like, uh, why are people keep on, keep going on to Keith Lee's eyes? Uh, it's I, I to build Karrion Cross as this unbeatable monster, especially because Keith Lee is used to working with like the young, with the smaller guys like Finn Balor or Gargano. Uh, the Johnny Gargano or like. It, but on the flip side, or like Roderick Strong, but then you have him like with Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest. But you're gonna have you're gonna Karen Cross is a guy that he's not gonna be able to essentially overpower like he usually does because Karen Cross is equally almost equally as powerful. So it's like the unstoppable force versus the unmovable object. What is gonna give? I so, don't know. So I have two problems with this with this feud happening in August is I haven't seen Karrion Cross slash I always want to call him Killer Cross is I haven't seen him wrestle long matches ever unless it's in a shoot fight. Like he had some great, he had a great one with Davy Boy Smith Jr. And he had another great one with Mox at, and they were both like shoot style rest, fights. I've never seen him do a traditional wrestling match go over five to 10 minutes. 
that didn't involve plunder and street fight stuff. So how is he going to fare? Especially when you, like, he beat Ciampa in, like, no time flat. I feel like we needed a buffer between this. Like, I feel like we need to Keith Lee to have a friend who got destroyed at this pay-per-view by Karrion Cross, And then at the next takeover, which I, what would that be in November? Like, I feel like that would have been a good time to, I feel like this, they pulled the trigger way too early on this feud. Like, this needed to be, like, in three months, not now. Because I don't even know if you want, say, if you want to, like, prolong this feud and then try to get, like, usual, like, best out of three with this title. Like, how do you even book it? Like, how do you book this, like, being a no contest or something like that? I don't, I don't know. Or, like, it's basically backing yourself into a corner because it doesn't look like any solution is going to benefit everybody. Dijakovic so they and Cross him. would have been a better match opening the show at this show than him main eventing, I think. And then you could have had Keith Lee against I, I, anyone because like they have like Finn Balor. They could have been Finn Balor, Keith Lee headlining and then have Cross like and because I mean, Dijakovic is allegedly moving up. Why not have Cross just, you know, dismantle Keith Lee's like good buddy. And then now we yeah. have Keith Lee. And I think that's one of the problems with, with, and, I, and AEW has this problem too, is like you want to win the ratings war and you're putting on these matches. It's just like, it's, it's, it's hurting the booking in some respects. It's just like, don't trip over. Don't like, you know, look past the hundred dollar bill just to grab a dime. Like you have, there's more money built in this, this feud going longer than shorter, in my opinion, unless like you said, that Keith Lee is destined to go to the main roster. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people like kind of criticize the same thing with AEW, like bringing in Lance Archer, bringing in Brody Lee, uh, having them lose their respective matches yeah. against Cody and uh, Mox. It's like, all right, well, you built them up to be like these killers, but then they lost, you know, like it hurts them. Brian Cage. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, Brian. Yeah. Same thing with Brian Cage, too. Like, it, I don't even think that he was on the show this week, but um, I don't think they I know they did. Signed him, by the way, I love Brian Cage, but like he's not going to add much to AEW, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's going to be that's definitely going to be a question going down the road. I, I, I know they did the like the the angle with Dominic Dijakovic on the NXT, but I kind of agree with you there. Like you could have, maybe you save that for, you know, takeover and then have him kind of like choke him out and then him challenge. And then at the end of the show, when Keith Lee like defends his title and like it wins, then you have Karrion Cross kind of show up at the end and then like reveal himself to like, all right, man, like I'm coming for you. I think that is that is more of a takeover moment than what they had with great American bash with like, I know it's like the same theory, but yeah, imagine, imagine he, you know, he beats like a Finn Balor or somebody. And then at the end, the lights go out and there's Scarlet right at the ring with the hourglass and cross is up in a balcony somewhere in the Amway center. Say if it's happening there, how dramatic is that? I mean, WWE is all about moments, that's a moment right there. That's a moment we're mm-hmm. not going to forget. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at 
let's look at this special attraction match. Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. What do you think of this, man? I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you right off the bat. I hated it when it, it first when they were first kind of doing it. Like I watch like when I'm like working on stuff and stuff like that. I watch like the Pat McAfee show kind of or listen to it like offhand. Can I ask then, you like, a question Adam, about that? Where okay. do you, where do you watch or listen to that show cuz I didn't even know he had a show. He he's on the radio and then he has like he live casts on YouTube. So like uh, I'll like kind of like put in my headphones and like listen to it. Okay. And then when Adam Cole went on there and then they had the confrontation, I'm like, this is a total angle. You oh, know what I mean, course. but I had no idea. But I had no idea that it was leading to this. So when they were like doing it and then he went to NXT and then he kicked Adam Cole and, and knocked him out cold, I'm like Oh no! And then they, they like did the match. I'm like, what? I'm like, Adam Cole. Here you have the guy who is like the longest reigning NXT champion, and now he's basically fighting, uh, I guess, a radio celebrity. But then I had to remember, like, listen, this guy was an NFL. He played in the NFL. He was a punter. He was an All Pro punter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, he's in good shape. He was he's been in NXT before, and if somebody who can talk with Adam Cole, Pat can do it. Like Pat sure. is playing the heel guy great. I have no idea what they're gonna do with this match. I would imagine that Pat is gonna have some backup to ward off like the undisputed era because I can't see like all for the undisputed era watching Adam Cole's back and then like cheating for him to win against Pat McAfee. So there's gotta be a catch here. I, you know what I mean? I don't see, you know, Adam Cole kind of like taking a clean pin to Pat. I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean? Like it's, WWE has done it, uh, on main roster stuff. This is kind of one of the first times they're doing for NXT. So I, I kind of, I kind of, so Pat McAfee, I don't know if you, you read this or not, was trained by Rip Rogers. The same guy who is, you know, helped had a hand in Cena and Batista and uh, Randy Orton and Cody and a lot of guys in OVW. So that's some legit training he's had, and that happened well before any of this happened. So Pat McAfee, I think, has a big respect for pro wrestling. But I guess my question is: Is Pat McAfee like that? You know that big of a star that he's or, you know, of a draw that he's going to bring in people from the outside to watch TakeOver. Because a lot of people just know Pat McAfee, you know, as wrestling fans. I never heard, you know, I'm a pretty avid football fan. I I had never heard of Pat McAfee. Maybe I just don't, you know, know punters very well, but like I didn't know who he really was. And I only knew him because they're like, they said he was a cult when he showed up on NXT, like a few years ago. So do you think he's that much of a draw for this? Because is it that much of a special attraction? He has a he has a pretty big following for his uh, morning show. So he might be. Yeah. Uh, like, I know it's something different from Adam Cole. Because uh, they have nothing for him, basically. Yeah, because I would have thought that, like, you know, Un- Undisputed Air has been in NXT for over three years. And I know that you would rather have them join SmackDown or join Raw 
when there's a crowd. You know what I mean? Like to to show like that to get that big pop when they yeah. eventually do make that. Or like there's even that theory where Adam Cole might break from them, and then it goes in him and the Kyle O'Reilly feud, and that can happen. But I, I mean, I think it will have some outside eyes. I think it's an intriguing prospect because I have no idea who's going to win, who's going to be in Pat's corner. But, I mean, to me it's a little wonky, but it's also a wait and see. Yeah. What are they going to do? Yeah, we could be surprised here. Uh, but I also, it's just like, I think it speaks to a little bit with NXT's booking right now. It's just like, you don't really have any legit matches for Adam Cole, Balor, Gargano, Ciampa, Dream. We'll get to him later. And that's, that to me, that's a little worrisome. It's just like, these are the pillars. Some of these people are the pillars of NXT who've been around forever. And yet we're outside of Cole, who obviously is on a show, but like there's a decent number of these guys I just mentioned who might not even have a match on this show. Like, are you any concerns with NXT's booking, especially I know they've been adding people to the booking committee from the main shows. What are your thoughts on the way NXT creatively is going? Well, I think that they have, I mean, NXT throughout its inception, they have their really hot periods and then they have their periods where they have some lulls. I like what they're doing with the North American Championship because it seems like they're uh, featuring like future talent like Bronson Reed, like he's getting wins under his belt. Damian Priest is another guy that they kind of need to feature as well. Uh, They've been doing that too. Uh, Cameron Grimes had that match with, with Keith Lee this week. Uh, well, last week, and then he was in the three-way. Uh, I don't see. I don't know because, like, a lot of people will say, like Johnny Gargano and like Champa and stuff like that. But I would say that right now in NXT, it's time to showcase fe- future stars. Johnny Gargano is Johnny Gargano. There, he's a legend. There. Same thing with Champa. Uh, same thing with Finn Balor. But I think the veteran guys, like you can heat them up any time that you want, especially with Finn Balor, because it seems like he's hovering, going over the title. Maybe he he won't. But uh, right now it's kind of like the the time to feature some like some new blood, because like I don't know, you know, with Johnny, do I want to see Johnny Gargano win the title again? I don't know if I want to. You know what I mean, like he's had that long storyline. He fulfilled it. He's won every single title to be had. But I do want to see some new blood. I want to see some of the talent they they have there. So it's kind of like a mixed bag, you know. It's mm-hmm. well. Let me let's having, get, let's get into Gargano for a second. Um, I, I didn't put this on there. I thought I had, but um, what do you feel about his heel turn? Oh, I did put it on there. What do you think about his and Candice's heel turn? Because there's a lot of people who are. Not overly thrilled with it. I think that that more so will benefit Candice other than Johnny Gargano. Totally agree. Uh, I think that, you know, they're setting Candice up because she has her little thing with Tegan right now. And then it's a little stacked right now with the women's championship with Dakota going after. I think Candice is the logical pick down the road to challenge Io Shirai because, of course, they have, like, you know, the prophecy of, you know, the Gargano family having, you know, both belts 
And I know a lot of people have been waiting to see what they're going to do with Candice. Like, I know she had a good showing at uh, War Games and like a couple match, like her first big match. She's been hit. She's been a, a she's been, she's been a stop start type of person. Yeah, it seems like they get her going, and then like it stops again, and they get her going, and it stops again. I think this heel turn will give her something substantial to kind of build some momentum on that brand. And yeah, I think if with Io Shirai, uh, if you keep her as the champion till WrestleMania or even before that, and like if if you don't want to do the Rhea Ripley thing down the road, like I think Candice would be the le- next logical pick if they don't go back to Dakota as well. Like if she would challenge Io Shirai because they they have history there too because mm-hmm. Io betrayed Candice when she you know so it would be yep. kind of like circle back around i think the promo the vignette that happened this week on nxt was the best and most convincing thing they've done for both of them seals like i thought the you know the evil disney princess candace LeRae character telling the story to the dog where she's still the hero and everyone else is the villain i thought was a, a really nice moment and i thought johnny had one of his better moments as a heel instead of the oh well you know why i'm doing this like i hate when they say that it's just like just do your mission statement and move along um i thought that was some of their better heel work um like i said like you said i I don't know where johnny goes with it but yeah candace deserves a run with that nxt women's title especially i think she's done a lot of hard work to get over as a heel Mm -hmm. because i mean she is she was the ultimate baby face um but yeah, I I'm not a hundred percent sold on Johnny yet, but like Candace, like I'm in on that now after that vignette this week. Um, and then let's uh, we've 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 kind of talked about it a number of times, but you think that Dakota is going to lose to Io at the takeover? Yeah, I think she I think she will. I think so too, but like I also wonder. It's like, well, where does she go from there? Does she go up to because that's someone who should go to the main roster then if she loses. I think out of okay, so I don't think EO goes yet because they have long title reigns. Mm-hmm. I think her and Rhea will eventually have a date down the road. Uh, but Dakota, like everybody, like in that shuffle, Dakota, uh, Tegan Knox, uh, in that ilk, is primed to move uh, to Raw. I mean, Tegan was already on SmackDown this week. Yeah, I think I think Tegan that that's a done deal. I think Tegan will eventually move on. There's nothing in NXT. There's really nothing for her to do, and I think she could have great matches with Bailey, Sasha. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she's already charismatic. She's a great baby face. They need more of that on the main. So like, I think that's her future. Uh, I think. Go ahead. We talked about the women's division. Um, you know, we talk about AEW, it's just like the women's division is just like, who's there? With the a- with the NXT women's division, do you think there's a bit of a logjam right now where there's like, you have so much talent, but like, where are they going to go? I look at someone like Shotzi Blackheart, great character, great wrestler, but kind of just hovering in that she's popular, but often loses. You still have people like, um, you know, Casey Catanzaro, who got a huge reaction two years ago at the Royal Rumble, but hasn't really 
done a lot. You know, they have a lot of to Chelsea Green is someone else, although we hear maybe retribution for her, but like we haven't seen her in a few months. Do you think the women's division needs like they need to make these moves to elevate some people to the main roster in order to, you know, get everyone uh, TV time, even though they are doing two to three matches a week? I think, well, it's funny because, like, we talk about, like, both AEW and NXT and they kind of have opposite problems. Like, AEW has a lot of talent, but they don't have, they don't allot the time to feature it. With a with NXT, they do, at least they do. Like, they, there's at least two, three matches, women's matches a week. There are two storylines that are kind of going on. Like, you know, like, Ray Ripley and the Robert Stone brand and her and Mercedes Martinez. And then you have Shotzi Blackheart, who has issues with them as well that's going on then you have eo and dakota and then now you have like this tegan knox and candace LeRae thing like so you already have like three storylines there mm-hmm. with casey and caden they had a really good showing where they got a lot of offense this week which is pretty cool to see i think if you want to b- keep building that women's tag tournament where they do go to nxt uh you can have tag teams there so now Casey and Caden can kind of challenge for that. And, you know, you have like a, you know, raw SmackDown NXT thing there. I don't, for the top, it's just, you have EO, you have Dakota. Right. It's just finding, it's just finding, I don't know if there's a logjam at the top. It just seems like you need to build up more compelling challengers for EO, I think. Mm-hmm. Because you th- because if you think about it, like last year, Shayna Baszler, but you had EO, you had uh, Kari Sane mm-hmm. at, at some point. Like there were like a lot of top tier challengers here. And not to say that there's, you know, there isn't an NXT, but it is EO Shirai, Dakota Kai, Rhea Ripley, and a couple others. But you need to build up other people to kind of like, all right, well, she's she's in the women's championship, you know orbit as well i think that's their issue i think one of the uh, while the women's division nxt is one of the strongest parts of that of that brand the tag team division is a joke i am stunned at how just non-existent the nxt tag team division is right now i mean we're going from a, a thing where matches of the year in wwe were nxt tag matches with DIY, with Revival, with AOP, with uh, American Alpha, all these teams. Uh, how do you think they salvage? We talked about salvaging AEW's women's division. How do you think they salvage this tag team division? Because it's it's not very good right now. I'm not even sure what they're going to do with Imperium because I know I don't know how often those guys can be there. I don't know if they're really like if they're living in Florida. I, they, I would assume I think they so. have to be. Yeah, I would assume so. I don't know because I'm looking there like you have Fandango, you have, you know, Lorcan and Birch, but they lose a lot. Uh, You have Legato del Del Fantasma. If you want to go that route, too, they could go for tag team titles. You've Indashir, but they've been missing, too. I I don't know. I still think it's such a like the fact that Malcolm Bivens, who was formerly Stokely Hathaway, is barely been on NXT. Has been like, what? What are you doing, guys? That is such a great piece of talent not being used right now. And then you know, of course, you have the undisputed era, but like they've been there for three years. Yeah. Like you're not going to give them the titles three three times in a row. I don't know. 
uh, you really have to get to work and find some uh, tag teams that you can build up. But like with the WWE, it seems like they're into tag team uh, teams one year and then another year they, they just don't book them. So like I, I right now, like I, I don't even know if there's going to be a tag team title match on the NXT card. They're I don't, just I don't not, think so. Yeah, like it, it's just kind of an afterthought. So you really have to – it's going to take another takeover and more convincing of that uh, to like try to build up that. Because like think about it. Like you had – back then you had like Street Profits, mm-hmm. yeah, Undisputed Air. Uh, you had uh, uh, the War War Vikings or Viking Raiders or whatever you want to call them. War Machine, yeah, I'll call them War that. Machine, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like having these, like, and you could import, opening... you could import yeah. Grizzled Young Vets, Mustache Mountain, South Wales Subculture, uh, Gallus, which I don't know if that's even going to be a thing anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was a few other teams I'm totally forgetting. But yeah, I mean. Remember, I mean, Mustache Mountain and Unspeeded Era had uh, two two great matches in a row. Yeah, I was Tony the just, Tiger there for a second. I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, it's like you said, like there were like ma- real matches that would open takeovers. There were tag teams that would steal almost steal the show. Yeah, like it would get the crowd hype for what was going on, and now it's just like it's sad because. Tag teams aren't really a factor in NXT anymore, yeah, which is which is wild to think about, given like how long they were such like the staples. But I'm going to ask you the same question I asked for AEW. Uh, given that since they've started on the USA, how do you think NXT has fared from last year till today? How do you enjoy the show? Has it changed for the good, the better, for the worse? How you feeling? I think when NXT really gets his engine going, it's amazing because they have they just have an amazing allotment of talent. Mm-hmm. But it also has its peaks and valleys as well. It has like it shows where it kind of like dips a little bit, and then it comes back, and then they roll rattle off like three great shows. Like it's just it's just booking, you know. Like uh, I'm. Right now, I'm kind of looking at NXT like, what is the future going to be? What are you guys going to do with the talent that you have and potentially talent that you kind of move on to? How are you going to build the future pillars of NXT going forward? Because, like like I said, Undisputed Era, you can, you can assume that they're on their way out soon. Um, you know, like, it depends on what happened with Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. Uh, who's going to be, like, if Dakota doesn't win or, you know, they don't go back to Dakota... Like who's gonna be EO's challenger and convinces that like they could beat EO because it'd be one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Oh, she is. Uh, she is unbelievable. You know, I, I I just like I don't know if I've seen. There's very few uh, wrestlers I've seen as good as Io Shirai. You know, North American Championship. Are you gonna crown like a future star like a Bronson Reed and, and like have him carry oh, yeah. it? We didn't even talk about that match. Um, sorry, like we, we like we need to jump into that real quick. So, who do you think is gonna be the X Factor TBD person, and who do you got winning that match? So I think it's Gargano, Ridge Holland, Finn Balor, uh, Kushida is out there. Um, 
can't remember. Well, Kushida lost. So he's not in the second chance. That's another guy. Like Kushida. What the like, fudge, let's, man? Yeah, let, let's start doing more stuff with Kushida. Well, you like, brought he, in Alex Shelley to be his tag partner in the Dusty Classic and bounce them in the first round? No sense. Yeah, like, let's start doing more stuff with Kushida, please. Like, you know, like, he wasn't on... This is the first appearance on TV since, I think, May 27th. And, like, it was, like, that, like, controversial loss. But, like, you bring him in, he rattles off a bunch of wins in different styles... He's a big attraction, and now he's just kind of like a guy that's just hovering around. You got to do more with him. You it's know like what I mean? uh, Drake Maverick. I feel like the same thing. You you exploited his situation, and up until last week, it had been nearly two months since you, he's been on TV. It's like that's another guy, crazy talented, can talk on the mic, can draw money. Use him. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. if you tell me Drake and Kushida are going to be a tag team, they're going to go for the belts. Cool, I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. But uh, so, who do you have for the, um, like I said, the TBD for the for the ladder match, and who do you got winning that one? Uh I, I got Finn Balor. Um, hmm. Trying to think about this. See, I, I have the opposite. I know I have a definite winner, and I don't know who's going to be the TBD. TV, I. All right, so I'm, I'm going to defer to you real quick. I'm going to say, like, who is. Who do you have winning? Cameron Grabs. Okay. I think they, I think they're going to pull the trigger on him. They've put him in a lot of high profile stuff. He he seems to be that guy who just comes out can challenge a main event guy, get a good match out of the main event guy, lose, but never lose an iota of heat. And I think it is time to put the belt on that guy. Super talented, young, crazy upside. He is a, like we're saying, he's a future pillar of NXT to me. Which means it's not going to happen, but that's who I would put on it. Even though I, I do love Bronson Reed a lot, I love the Thick Boy nickname, and I've watched him since he was Jonah Rock. I think there's a lot of upside with him, but I, I think Cameron Grimes is the guy they're going to go with. Okay. I think a lot of people were high on Rich Holland. I, uh, I don't know how I feel about him. So we'll see. I mean, like, Johnny Gargano could have a good match with anybody, so we'll see what their qual- the qualifier is. I think Gargano wins. He Finn will. Balor wins because I can't imagine Velveteen Dream going over Finn Balor, especially with, with everything that's going on. Yeah. That would, people would, yeah, people were already like, oh, "Wow, they really brought him back." And then like, uh, yeah, I, I'm no um, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano moves on. Um, hmm, I'm gonna go Bronson Reed. I think I think uh, Bronson okay Reed. I think Bronson Reed like as a big powerhouse. I like that they have some momentum. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna pick Bronson Reed to do that. I mean, but also Damian Priest has a a case as well. Like, there's everybody could really win this. Like, I, I feel like they Cameron missed a, a huge opportunity with Damian Priest with not making him the bad luck folly to Finn Balor. Like they like after they had that match, which was super good at Takeover, they should have been a unit, in my opinion. Like they fit together. 
Uh, you know, I never thought about it that way. That's that's actually a pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, imagine him coming out on his shoulders. Okay, that's a little too rip it off, but I mean, like, yeah, man, I I, I feel like they have this vibe that just like it's not completely analogous, but it totally fits. And I think Damian Priest is a guy who would su- like supremely benefit from being with someone as over and as good as as Finn Balor. Yeah, I, I mean, and there's a tag team champion for you. You could, yes, you could be, do that. They'd be great together as a tag team. Because I know they were trying to do the whole Dexter Loomis Velveteen Dream I tag don't team. Get Dexter Loomis. I don't. I just. I I like Dexter Loomis a lot, man. I, I like his character. I think that he could wrestle. Uh, even though that he like takes a lot of punishment in his matches, it seems. Uh, I I do like his character. Not a, I'm not huge into him. I don't know what it is. There's some guys I just I just can't get into. But I was thinking of a like a Damian Priest, like Finn Balor doing the coup de gras right, right off of Priest's shoulders, jump it off as a finisher. <laughs> that would be that would be super hot. That would be a highlight reel for years in NXT. But I I I'm, I like the Bronson Reed. I think you have to put a manager with him though. I don't think he's much of a talker just yet. Because he's like kind of a soft-spoken guy. Like I would like a Malcolm Bivens with him. Bivens, yeah, put him with him, and he'd be great. And then you have a, that would be a hell of a combination. So I like that. I guess if I'm going with like I, I'll go with the Gargano Balor uh, ticket that you proposed because that makes the most sense. Like, man, you cannot like, the worst case, the worst case scenario. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, I could, and I could see it. Is that Dream gets in and Dream wins the title? And because they see money in Dream. So I'm like, I could definitely see that happening. And that would definitely be the wrong move. Yeah. You know, you know, and if you sign like that, it means you're like, yeah, I can see it too. I just, uh, with the backlash. I, yeah. I, I just, I just, I don't, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to say anything. Because I know. That as soon as I say this can't happen, it's gonna <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like you, you, like there's no way this will happen. They're they're, posi- like, they're positioning him to be like a heel now. It seems like he's gonna be a heel. Him, I think like wrongly since he's come back because he's like he was like the hottest thing in NXT. And I'm gonna remove all the stuff for a second. Like just looking in a vacuum. Like then they kind of just he was feuding with Undisputed Era, but he was the heel. Yeah, but he wasn't, and it was just like this is not good. <laughs> like, what is happening, guys? Um, yeah, it, it, uh, I, 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 I am pulling. I am heartily pulling for Cameron Grimes at all costs <laughs> for this match. Because <laughs> yeah, I think the dream win would be real bad. Please don't do this, <laughs> WWE. Please don't. Okay. Don't put us in that position. We can't end, end this podcast on that note. We, we just can't. <laughs> Let's – who do you see as – you know, NXT is all about building future stars. In the men's side and the women's side, who are two people you see that like a year from now will be the people that we're talking about as uh, either a star or just about to become a star in NXT? Hmm. Because I we can't add, add – uh, on dream two so two women you could do whatever you want i said just two people 
Shotzi Blackheart, definitely. Oh, 100%. On the men's side, I'm going to go with Santos Escobar. Oh, he's so good. I've Thank watched him he's, so, for so many years. Lucha Underground, AAA. He is the goods. I think that he's going to be the guy there eventually. That's a good pick. I I don't want to go with your picks because your picks are really good. Um, I'm going to say that on the men's side of things, either he's going to be a star or he's just going to be on the cusp of becoming one is Jake Atlas. Um, a really good story there. Really good wrestler who is only going to get better with time. Uh, I think he's got a huge upside for WWE, and I think he's gonna he could be a big star for them in NXT. I don't know if a year from now he's gonna be the guy, but he'll be primed to be the guy by this time next year. Okay. Uh, I look at on the women's side, Shotzi's like such a great pick. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, uh, the women's side of things. I almost want to cheat and say Tony Storm. Because, but she's not obviously not in NXT. Is she's been around forever, but I really think she has the potential for a good year as Casey Catanzaro. Uh, I think she's a natural babyface, and if they're going to start moving people, especially if Tegan moves up and other people move up, I think she's primed to be um, a big time sympathetic babyface, given her size and stature, but also her move set. Okay, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen. But I think Shotzi could will be the number like your picks like Shotzi I think will be the one of the number one women in NXT by this time next year for sure. Oh oh they if they don't do that they're crazy. Well they're insane. They, that, they're absolutely nuts. That, that you're printing money there with, with Shotzi. I mean you could just sell those helmets alone and people will buy them up. I mean yeah I mean she is she is she is print money for sure. Um. Okay, so that's our that's our Wednesday Night War quote unquote podcast. We're gonna be doing more of these uh, because yeah. this was fun. This has been a long time. I was like totally like I have no thoughts going into any of this, and thank God you were on this podcast because we had this was a lot of fun to do and it brought a lot of stuff out I hadn't thought of, especially an Orange Cassidy AEW title run and Shotzi Blackheart being the number one woman in NXT <laughs> makes me very happy. But Marjani, where can people find you? On the internet, plug all your stuff. You've got a lot. You've had a lot of great stuff come out um, over the last five months. So please plug away and let people know where they can find you. Too kind, man. Uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Murjani Rawls, M U R J A N I R A W L S. Of course, you can find me on the Pop Break, where I pretty much write about everything. Yeah. Uh, you find me over at Substreet Magazine, where I'm just, I guess, uh, just now the movie and TV uh, editor there. Um, of course, you know, I got some cool stuff that I'm working on. I, I have a newsletter that you can subscribe to called Capitalize to Be, where I kind of write up some political stuff and then political initiatives or whatever comes out of this crazy brain of mine. Um, of course, like there's... Some podcast stuff I'm working on. Um, of course, you know, myself and Bill are going to be doing more wrestling stuff. Hopefully, we do, 
you know, some more TV and movie stuff and music stuff on uh, the pop break as well. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, during the pandemic, like I'm sure we're all trying to our best and putting our best foot forward. And that's what I'm doing, you know. So, like, thank you, everybody, to listen, listening to this. And, you know, we hope you continue to listen. Yeah, I, I mean, not to put you over any more than I already have, but your stuff you're doing on your newsletter and on Substack has been tremendous. I mean, these are, I think, must-read uh, stuff during these times. You touched on a lot of political stuff um, and a lot of cultural stuff. I think that is just um, – it, it's impacted me personally on a lot of levels and opened my eyes to a lot of things and really, really touched me on a lot of on a level uh, levels too. I will not uh, – hide the fact that I've had a few tears in my eyes reading some of your stuff uh, in the uh, ah. during all this. So yeah, it's it's really great stuff that you should be reading. I try and retweet it when I can. Uh, I am at Bodkin Writes. Yes, that was a terrible transition um, on, uh, on my social media. But yeah, uh, I definitely like sharing a lot of your stuff there because uh, it, it's really well done and it really speaks from the heart. And I think some of your best work, not all of your best work, but some of your best work. Um, because your best work is still yet to come, my friend. Uh, so uh, for me, yeah, check out thepopbreak.com every single day. We're talking TV, music, movies, comic books, pro wrestling. Um, you know, like when pro wrestling, we're covering everything. We're going to be expanding into some more stuff now that things are opening back up a little bit. Um, every uh, Friday, uh, myself and Al Manorino, we host our managing editor. We host the Socially Distanced Podcast. We just had Tommy Siegel, who is the uh, who is a uh, guitar player and singer for the band Jukebox the Ghost. He also has a great uh, web comic he does all the time. Uh, on- yes, please, please check that out. It's a really good podcast. Oh, I've thanks, been man. I, I appreciate that. Tommy, that is all because Tommy is an amazing person to talk to. And he has a glorious mustache. Uh, that is on <laughs> Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Great time we had talking with him. But we dropped it every week. Rajani, you're definitely going to be a guest on that coming soon um, when I ask you because, you know, you know, I got to make sure you're available. You're a busy guy. Um, I also, <laughs> I'm on a lot of podcasts coming up. So I'm going to be doing a, uh, our TV editor, Alex Marcus, and I did an episode on Perry Mason for the series Goodbye to All That, which is about series and season finales. Um, I also uh, was on the TV Break podcast, which we do monthly. We talked about the Emmys and Muppets Now, which I totally love and you should check out. And I'll also be on Alex's Cinema Joe's podcast where I talk about my favorite movie of all time, Point Break. Yes, that's what I named the site after. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm also regular on the Bob Culture podcast. And, uh, yeah, check out Pop Break uh, on Twitter at popbreak.com, all spelled out, forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook and at the Pop Break on Instagram. Will you see some of Marjani's uh, concert photos he's taken for, for us? Yes. Remember concerts? You can take photos. Those oh, are great. man. Yeah, don't, don't bring it up to Al. He'll cry um so <laughs> firmer johnny rolls i'm bill bodkin thank you for joining us for the breakcast.